Good morning and welcome to another episode of Geekly Recap, the podcast where we dive deep into TV shows episode by episode, sometimes scene by scene, speculating on plots, characters and even giving the odd bit of trivia along the way. I'm your host Meryl. And I'm your host Hava. Now for the past few weeks we've been recapping The Morning Show Season 2. We're halfway through now. Wait, what was that? You haven't listened to episodes 1 to 4? Well go back and listen, we'll wait. Now that you've caught up, <laughs> let's tell you about today's show. We'll be recapping episode five scene by scene. We'll reveal the poll results we held on Twitter and Spotify. We'll remind you what's happened in the lead up. But first, prepare for a catch up with what's been happening in our lives since we last chatted. Darcy, gas, conventions, Back to the Future Day, and whatever else we've been watching. Gas? Not that kind of gas. Oh, I was looking forward to that kind of gas. Well, there might be a bit of that gas. <laughs> <laughs> As always, make sure you subscribe and follow us on our socials at Geekly Recap Pod to tell us what you think via our polls or by leaving us comments. You can even leave us voice messages if you aren't feeling too shy. Just check out our episode descriptions for the link. Spotify also now lets us ask questions and post polls. So if you listen to us there, please check out for the latest poll. Let's get on with the show. Well, hello. What the hell? Is this I Mrs. Got... Doubtfire? <laughs> <laughs> I got bored of saying hi like we normally do every single week. So I thought I'd try something new. Okay. What well, did you watch Mrs. Doubtfire? No. Oh. Well, hello. But that's how he says it or she says it. Maybe I subconsciously knew this. Maybe. Or maybe you've seen an advert. But whatever, you need to watch it still. Everyone oh. tell her, God, can't keep having this conversation. Every week is going to be a, have you watched a Robin Williams movie yet? No. All right, next week we'll ask you again. <laughs> and I'll watch Aladdin again. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count. You can't watch the ones you've already seen. Fine, I'll see Aladdin too. He's not in it. Uh-oh. No, he's not in it. Trivia or fun fact Dan Castel, I can't remember how you say his last name, but the guy who does Homer's voice does Genie in the second Aladdin movie. Was it any good? I can't remember, but I was like, well, it's not Robin Williams, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I like how natural this is, because just before we started recording, Meryl and I went, wait, what did we do? So what can we briefly chat about? And this did not come up. And now we're just talking about this. <laughs> well, it's your fault for going, hello. <laughs> I just tried to make things fresh. Well, I like it. It just opened up Robin Williams again. <laughs> May he rest in peace. All right. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Friggin' tired. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm a bit hot. Not in like the, I'm so hot right now. I mean, like I'm actually hot. That's what she meant. But she's saying this and she's wearing a turtleneck. So I've been cold all week. <laughs> but now you're home. No, but I was home when I was cold. But you had no gas. This leads us to our gas conversation. Yes. So when we wow. said the gas. <laughs> Naturally done. <laughs> so yes, the gas wasn't the gas that you get. You know, out your bum. It's the kind that can kill you. (laughs) It's the kind that Ross said they add the smell. (laughs) And you smelt it. I did. Thanks, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't deal it. No, I didn't deal it. But um, yeah, it was like one of those things where I thought, you know how like we are, hypochondria. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'd get like, I get like a tiny whiff 
every now and then. <laughs> She's a wolf. <laughs> but I kept thinking, like, my mom couldn't smell it. And I'm like, am I going mental? Because it was only, like, every now and then. Mm-hmm. So I just went, I'm going to call the emergency gas people. And I was right. And it was weird because I was like, oh, thank God that I was right. But also a pain in the bum because obviously I had to get like it sorted and pay mm. money. But yeah, that took a week. So yes, that's the story of the gas. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic, Meryl went to a convention. Yeah, the convention was great. I went to For the Love of Horror. Woo-woo! Meryl did something for once on a weekend. Woo-woo! Yes! <laughs> For once! <laughs> Meryl had a social life! Oh my god! It was it was knackering. <laughs> but it was it was weird because it was like, you know how some of the cons, like as you guys might have seen as well, they've got like all the perspex screens and all of that stuff. This just they were like, if we have to do that stuff, we're not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So um, only on the last day before they kind of said they're going to have a few things up for the autographs. But the actors basically all unanimously took theirs down. So yeah, that was nice, but it was also a little bit like, you know, it's in the back of your mind. You know, even I didn't wear a mask because I was like, well, I'll wear one if I'm in a place where I'm feeling really like, oh, my God, there's too many people around me. But if there's no one remotely near you, you don't think about it and you're just walking around freely. Exactly. But even then, like after a certain point, you do almost kind of forget because, you know, yeah, in life, yeah, you don't totally. wear a mask normally. You know? I did last night. Like <laughs> at, there were times where I put it on yeah. because I saw someone wearing one. And I went, oh, yeah. So <laughs> every time I saw people wearing it, which wasn't that often, I did think maybe I should put mine on. Mm. And then I was like, oh, I can't be asked. <laughs> right. So I did it. And I was like, well, hopefully this doesn't come back and bite me in the boop. But it did kind of get to me because like the organizers are great and they definitely do care. And they're still having teething problems because of it. They're still quite new. And as a convention gets bigger, we know we've been to cons that have had to learn how to adapt to a bigger crowd. Totally. It still felt like it was because they wanted to sell more tickets than they might normally. It felt really crowded. And I did end up having to leave earlier than I would have because it just got too much. They have like insane queues. That was another thing. They need to sort out virtual queue tickets there. They got Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> and they were huge. I love like, them so much. <laughs> they were huge, though. They're the biggest, the most popular ones there. So their queues, like, just never ended. And they're busy. So they kept cutting off the queue, and which meant that, um, you know, you'd try and join it and you couldn't. And then you'd go back and, you know what I mean? So it was one of those things where I think a lot of people were frustrated because they kept saying how long they spent. Like, there are people I know that spent, like, three, four hours in a queue. And I'm like, I don't do that. I'm sorry. Sorry, can I just say, was this... Like for Matthew, yeah. Considering he's done quite a lot in the UK and he's not been that busy at other cons that I've seen him at, that's very shocking. LFCC doesn't do lines like that; they do virtual queue tickets. Yes, they do. Even if it would be a four-hour wait, you don't have to stand there to make sure you get your turn. Mm-hmm. You know, you can leave and do other things. So mm-hmm. that was like their, I think their biggest thing for me Floor. that I thought. No, like I've never, the only person I've ever lined up for for a long time was Corey Taylor. And that was because I was waiting outside the bookshop for it to open. That was also because we were told that it would only be the first 200 people, right? But we have to say like, because this was, in my opinion, the first time that they had the duo as well. So obviously Mm. there was going to be a lot of people going for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And your photo was so cool. Your cosplay was really (laughs) cool. 
yeah, so I was sitting Prescott at the end of Scream and I decided to go up to them and just say, can you guys tr- pretend to kill me and love every second of it? <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing Matthew did was go for my throat. So <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, he was waiting for that moment. I, I like how he did that because comparing it to my Sons of Anarchy one, Charlie basically asked for my permission. Oh. Whereas Matthew seems to just Matthew gone just went for, for it. <laughs> he was feeling full stew. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It was a little, not tight, but it was tighter than I was oh, expecting yeah. it you, to be. There's like a little bit of pressure, right? And I was yeah. like, Jesus, is my neck that big? <laughs> hey, if this is the way I go, this is the way I go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, the comments that I got from people that went to that con, like on comments yeah. afterwards, they were like, <laughs> like, I wish I was getting choked by them. I was like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the duo is great photo to have. Darcy. Oh, Darcy's fine. Darcy now has Instagram at dear little Darcy, all one word. And yeah, if you like cats and you want to see Darcy yourself, follow. Or follow my page at have a bite. I had the best compliments on my Pavlova. Hey, I know all about your pavlovas, okay? Yeah, right, one of them. But you did not have the spiced plum, bramley apple, and blackberry pavlova. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> Yours! You okay? <laughs> oh, but the one that you did last year, I still dream about it. I've kept telling you, you need to make me a pavlova again. Oh, so good. Yeah, apart from me baking and having a really busy week at work this week. The biggest thing that you did was go to the Back to the Future Day musical day extravaganza not to make this like the third edition of the back to the future musical just when you think like i'm I'm probably gonna get bored no it's absolutely amazing there was an understudy for marty he's not as good oh okay and that's credit to ollie because ollie's really done a great job for me sadly no to this marty okay and we had a surprise guest it, it was, wasn't really a surprise. Well, that it was, was announced, announced like a week before. Yeah. Um, bearing in mind we'd booked these tickets ages ago. Um, and it was Huey Lewis. <laughs> was the news there too? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I don't know if people knew this already, but so he came out at the end to have a talk and with mm. Bob Gale. And it really got to me when he said he lost his hearing. So I would have thought that he would have performed. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. It really got to me. There was that. And there was a moment where he just praised Bob and they hugged for like ages because he's like, but this is Bob's baby. But it was it was really lovely. I was incredibly lucky to catch him at the end. Um, There was security with him and he was talking to a few people and I guess they were like trying to move him out. Yeah. And I just tapped him on the shoulder and I said, is it okay if I get a photo with you too? And he said yes. And then he didn't understand and he went to sign and I was like oh no can I get a photo please yeah and security just moved out the way and we had a selfie he turned around to the security and he said what would you like and he went oh no you're with me oh bless him <laughs> oh no <laughs> old people can be so sweet <laughs> I did want to go because they kept making like a thing like yeah. oh they're gonna do something amazing I have to say obviously while I don't like that he's not well I did feel better knowing that I didn't miss a performance because yeah. I was like, oh man, he's going to sing it and then I'm not going to hear it. Oh. So I'm like, okay, you only did a speech, and which is still amazing. But obviously to miss out on a performance would have like made me go, no. 
Yeah. I'm <laughs> We went and we actually had a week this time. I know. We actually had a week. But next week I'm seeing you and then I'm yes. staying over. We should probably start the show. Let's start it. What are we talking about again? Our lives. Oh, the morning show. Ah. <laughs> Previously on The Morning Show. Stella told Corey that Alex won't moderate the debate in Vegas. Chip insisted Alex should moderate. Alex and Bradley ran into Maggie, which prompted Alex to inquire if Bradley was interviewed by her for her book. Bradley promised her she didn't say anything bad. Bradley and Laura Peterson slept together. <gasps> Corey and Bradley made up and Corey told her the moderator job will go to Alex. In season one, Hannah had confronted Mitch about the rape and Mitch was incredibly horrible. Mitch notified Corey about Fred's plan to plant nasty stories about Hannah to the press. Corey asked Sybil for help, which she denied. Mitch met a documentarian named Paula. And Stella told Alex she needed to be moderator as a feminist icon. She has to walk through the door she opened nine months ago. So we're on season two, episode five. Titled Ghosts. Ooh. Did that sound like a ghost? Yeah, and you also sounded like you're doing a really bad acting thing of I'm cold. Also in time for Halloween. Uh, the synopsis for this episode is the UBA team head to Vegas where past misdeeds continue to haunt them. See what they did. Mm, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> This episode was written by Erica Lippez and Adam Milch, who also the writing team wrote episode one of this season. And it was directed by Tucker Gates, who's worked on Homeland, Ray Donovan, Bates Motel, again, a lot of Bates Motel folk, mm -hmm. House of Cards, The Good Place, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec, The Office, Lost, Alias, and Angel and Buffy. Let's say it. This person knows their beep. Yeah. Yeah, when I was looking through it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to list all of it. But then I was looking through the credits going, ooh, 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 I'm just going to say it anyway because I like this stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know what? You can tell this episode was written or at least directed by someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, it was more of a well-rounded episode as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Like it felt polished. And we get a few surprises this episode. A few recurring characters. I yes. may have cheered. <laughs> I saw Mindy and I cheered just because I had actually forgotten she was in the show. <laughs> All right. So first scene, it's quite a big scene, actually. Um, Corey has finally gotten back in touch with Fred, who is currently in Milan in the middle of the night. So it's the middle of the night. He's complaining about that. Shut up, Fred. I know. He's like, don't you know what time it is here? So Fred's like insisting the stories about Hannah are actually true anyway. And it's Corey's fault this is happening because he didn't return him his call. And this is why he's doing it. Like, what a sociopath. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, we uncover a lot in the first scene or pretty much the beginning of this episode. Anyway, it kind of answers a few questions we may have had. Definitely. And remember, we kind of said something about we did. this whatever episode it was when Corey's phone was ringing yeah. it was Fred and we were like does this is there something going yeah. on here is is he just calling him or is there like is there something we we know what we're talking about Look we do us. I mean we said it in the previous episode I said to you 100% this is what happened so he could get the CEO job yeah and Fred got his payout so you know yeah. I'd yeah. like to say it all worked out well in the end but we know how rich folk can get greedy and Fred's getting greedy greedy Fred is just 
absolutely like we knew he was a piece of crap right but he's just proving how much more of a piece of crap he really is oh yeah like there's he just does not care at all like really does not care he calls them business associates so he's like you know how Corey has actually no power over him anyway and he's scared of what's in maggie's book too. yes but this is how he reacts. <laughs> and he says something like, the target is on me. And he was like, you were there to give me my exit package. The woke mob won't like hearing that you paid me off to make yourself CEO. So basically, he's threatening that if the deal that they made doesn't happen, he's going to throw Corey under the bus yeah. as well. That's really not just going to affect Corey, but it's probably going to sink the UBA. But, you know, we see a flashback. We see a few flashbacks this yes. episode. And the, this one is of the deal, I guess, they made, right? So Mitch is basically talking him up, like, why he should become. But he kind of tells him to be CEO, right? That's how it sounded to me. It was implied. Like, he wanted to hand it off to him. Yeah. Because he knew he wanted it. Yeah. So he basically dangled it in front of him and said how good he would be and how this would be a good thing for Corey. I don't know what the hell made Corey go, yeah, you're right. But... um. But I also thought it was kind of in a way of going, I don't think you're going to do a good job and I want to see you fail. Well, that is exactly what he wanted anyway, right? Yeah. That was exactly what he was saying. But he's not going to say that to Corey. No, but for Corey to, I mean, I'm sure Corey didn't think he thought he meant it. They were both playing each other, surely. And they're both smart enough to know that, I would think. You'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so Bradley then sees Corey in the hotel lobby. Well, not the lobby, I guess, outside her door. Yeah, I mean, they live in the same building. <laughs> Stalk much? <laughs> <laughs> Corey says to Bradley here, would you still like me if I had a job that didn't have Chief in front of it? Which made me mm. laugh. Because then he's like, he says something like a surfer or, you know. What were they talking about? Because I'm going to confuse myself. What were they actually well, talking about? Well, what it was is they weren't they weren't talking about anything yet. It was just that Corey, before he got into it, he asked this question. It was like really random. Oh, it, okay. Well, it was random. Okay. Because he says afterwards, doesn't he, that he wanted to see someone that cares for him as a human being oh, as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess for him, he's like, Bradley is someone who will listen to me no matter who I am. It's not that my position is helpful to her, it's that we're actually friends. And I think that's a big insecurity I think he actually has about all this as yeah. well, because he doesn't want to be, even though he likes to use people, I don't think he wants to be used back. Oh, definitely Especially not. after what Fred said, so. Well, he says to her that he wanted to speak to someone who knew Hannah, who, you know, had Hannah's best interests. Um, He seems a bit rattled as well. Yeah. About this whole thing. Obviously, Fred's calls throwing him off. And he says to her, like, did Hannah actually tell you anything about herself or her family? Because, you know, Fred's planting these seeds into everyone. I mean, don't you remember him speaking to Mitch? And was like, well, was she always stable? Yeah, exactly. So he's still got to obviously not only debunk these stories. Hopefully, Corey's not the person to do it. But everyone's trying to plant the fact that she was either a drug addict or problematic anyway. So it was bound to happen. Yeah, so I think when he's asking this, it's not necessarily... I mean, I guess it's in his mind, like, oh, I wonder if there was something. But it's more for him. I think he was more just concerned. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily think... I mean, obviously, it's not like Bradley was going to go, oh, yeah, she was totally doing drugs in front of me. But I think he just wanted to get a bit more of an insight into Hannah because I don't think he ever really got to know her, so... No, he didn't. That's... I, this is the, probably the first time that I thought of, of anyone that they weren't going to use this information for their gain. Like, he just generally wanted to know and have an insight. At the end of the day, he's, you know, someone that's dead. 
Exactly. So yeah, we do find out, which I can't remember if we did know this in season one. I, I couldn't remember. remember. Um, but yeah, apparently Bradley did know that her mum died when she was young and that she wasn't close with her dad. That's basically all that Bradley really knew about her past. Which then it makes you question going, oh, well, her dad's asked for a lot of money. Is this because of what's happened or is it, well, my daughter's dead and now I can get money out of it? Because we don't know much of him. Yeah, we don't, we don't know, know why they weren't close. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he felt very genuine yeah. to me. And it almost looked like he wanted to say more, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. Because I guess he wishes he could just say everything, but he doesn't want Bradley to hate him either. Because if she found out what happened, she'd be very angry with him. And, you know, it doesn't take much He also to doesn't want to show his cards, I guess, in exactly. a way. Exactly, yeah. But I was more confused by... I'm trying to... We're going to complain about Bradley again, but I'm sorry. <laughs> There's just like trying for what? No, we made it about five minutes before we started complaining about Bradley. <laughs> it's hard because I don't, I didn't like a lot of people in this episode because everyone needed a bit of a slap at times, but she didn't even do anything that much in this episode, but I still kind of wanted to slap her. And the reason I wanted to slap her is because I'm just, I want to understand where her, like I can't read her at all. And I don't know if that's, how we're meant to read her, if that makes sense, that we can't read her. Exactly. Is she meant to be having a poker face this season? Because I honestly can't read her at all. So, because when she sees him in the hall, she almost seems a little bit annoyed. And then um, when he's there, like, even though she does listen, it almost, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't, I mean, I don't think Reese forgot how to act in season two. So it must be what she's doing it's intentionally. But she just looked like, did she even care? Like, if you're a friend, naturally the response wouldn't be the way she was, in my opinion. Yeah. So if I was just watching it going, why is she behaving like that? Like, they're meant to be friends. If he can confide in her, then is, why isn't she acting a little bit more like she actually gives a crap? But anyway. I still think they, like I said, Corey likes her in that way. Well, yeah, I think he might like her, but I don't oh, necessarily... Oh, tune. No, I never said that he didn't like her. I said I don't think that they already did stuff. This is where you edit it and you rewind back from our previous episodes to the moment you said like a clip, a sound clip of you going, no, he doesn't like her. Or however I never you said, said no, he doesn't like her. I said that they didn't already it. do anything. You can find it all you like. Oh, it. that reminds me. Let me look at the poll results. So, the poll, which, <laughs> which I did on Spotify, but people still don't seem to know they can look there. So I'm just going to go off Twitter. All right. So we did a poll last week and I said, do you think Bradley and Corey have already hooked up? So 63 people voted. 30% said totally. 29% said, nah, it's not like that. And 41% said, nope, but they will. So most people agree with me. Oh, please. What? Most people agree with me. Yeah, most people do agree with me. You didn't even think that Corey liked her. Yes, I did. Like I said, there's definitely something, but I didn't necessarily get that it was mutual or that anything had already happened between them. I saw that lingering touch on their sofa. Well, yeah, everyone flipping saw that lingering touch. That was this episode. It didn't happen in another one. Please, that was like sexual foreplay and you know it. <laughs> oh, the face. What is it? The Disney version. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they could afford. <laughs> anyway, so it's now we know it's Valentine's Day. They're in the studio. God, it's only been four days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Alex and Bradley are hosting. They're promoting the debate. 
And we find out here that Bradley, while she won't be moderating, she will be leading the pre and post debate analysis. In the writer's room, they're rehearsing or researching the stuff for um, Alex to moderate. And they're looking at a booklet, which I had to Google because I did not know what the hell they were talking about. And it's a booklet from 1990 called The Wit and Wisdom of Bloomberg. So they're preparing and they're addressing these comments made by Mike Bloomberg, where he's like saying really awful things about calling people like, I can't remember what they were now, but really bad insults about the royal family and things like that. And this apparently actually did happen in the real Vegas debate. But not by Alex, but by Senator Elizabeth Warren, who slammed mm-hmm. him about it. So, see what they did there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we see in this scene, Alex actually gets a note and she has to leave. Who is it? Who is but it? But before she leaves, she does go, ow! Probably is back pain. But I just thought she's under so much stress. Is she going to end up getting like a stomach ulcer or something like that? Like It's obviously all stress related. Yeah. Because you know, like muscle spasms and all of that, the tension... It it comes from stress anyway. Exactly. She's, and she really, I mean, I mean, she's she's in love with stress. This episode is all about stress. I got stressed watching her. I know. And <laughs> like I also really felt for her as well. They dangled her career in front of her and she just couldn't I mean, it makes great TV. She just couldn't let go. In no position was she mentally ready to come back to this oh, job. Oh, definitely not. And if you weren't sure before this episode was like the big sign that she needs therapy at least. I know she said she had it, but she needs to continue. Mm, exactly. Anyway, she leaves and Chip's curious because it's like, oh, she's just suddenly left. Who? Who's arrived? Who? Who? It's Mindy. I mean, Audra. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mindy Kaling. Yes, which we have met before. We have. Apparently. <laughs> but I did forget. I mean, it's been a long time since I, know, I watched it. I know, and she's it. been in quite a few episodes. And I did. I re-watched it. But you know what? I've watched The Office all the time, so I probably just thought I was watching that again. And she was in an office, so you know. <laughs> exactly. Same thing. Um, for those of you that don't know Mindy, she's done a lot of things, I know, including what Meryl just said, The Office. US. Yes. Um, <laughs> where she's also written some of the stuff as well, or been executive producer. She's also done the Mindy Kaling show, which was hugely successful. Not the Mindy Kaling show, the Mindy Project. Oh, the Mindy Project, sorry. Um, which was hugely successful. She's also a very popular voice actress. So you might not actually physically know her by face, but know her voice. Exactly. She was discussed in um, Inside Out. Yes. She was also in Wreck-It Ralph. Most recently, she was at Monsters at Work, which is the Monsters, Inc. TV show on Disney+. Plus. She's also appeared in Ocean's 8, um, even the 40-year-old version of Steve Crow. That was, I think, her first acting role. She was Paul Rudd's ex-girlfriend, if anyone's going, was she, was, was she in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's also, like I said, written some stuff and executively produced some stuff, including Never Have I Ever, which was quite oh, recent, yes, but they've been quite popular for it. In this scene, uh, she walks, Alex walks in to find Audra uh, looking through her office. Basically, Audra's gone there just to tell her that Maggie, who is having her book coming out soon, wants to do her book tour and open it at YDA, which is where Audra works. Yes. So... She's like, are you okay with it? Because I wouldn't do it if you weren't okay with it, which Alex doesn't believe for a second. 
Um, and she tried to act kind of cool about it. Like, why wouldn't, why would it bother me? It's. I think she just wanted to see whether she could rattle Alex. We don't know their history, really. We don't know their history either, but we kind of get an idea of it. <laughs> I don't think Alex has a nice history with anyone, let's be honest. I don't think so either, but I don't... I can't figure out whether she's just completely blocked out what a bitch she can be. <laughs> I mean, Chip at some point does say, you conveniently forget things. Yeah, and you you see it a lot in this episode. And I just, it's kind of like, do you, are you really not aware or have you just completely like retold her story in her head so she doesn't see it the way that it was because you this is when I wanted to slap her I might even be reading too much into this but she does initially say to her that she's here for a bite with Daniel well she's clearly friends with Daniel too so she already knows Daniel we know that Daniel does not like her exactly so definitely meet for lunch and bitch about Alex <laughs> so I thought oh maybe she digging stuff for Daniel maybe maybe but, hashtag um, team Daniel yeah, so when <laughs> so when Audrey is like, oh, I'll, I'm going or whatever it is, um, Alex like tells her to cut the BS and she says, haven't I always been grace, gracious to you? And Audrey's like, are you joking or something like that, right? Yeah, she was like, wow, you believe that? What happened to you, Alex? What happened to you? Who hurt you? I mean, we know Mitch well, kind yeah. of maybe hurt you. But before that, there must have been exact- stuff before that. We yeah, we don't know. Unless it was after that. We don't know. We don't know but her childhood or exactly. her history with her parents. Who knows? Exactly. Back in the studio. We're back with Yanko. Yes. And he's asking Mia why he's not going out to film in the plaza or something. And uh, Mia's basically saying she doesn't really want him out in public, right? Needs to Until take the this heat. Whole- yeah, off. like I guess she's worried that people might, I don't know, attack him outside or something. I don't know. She yeah. she does say the spirit animal thing is still hot right now. Mm-hmm. So um, hot right now. And it's still hot right now. And he, I mean, he's just angry. He's He says that Stella is full of... Oh, yeah, because basically they're like, we're going to get you to go to Florida and meet, like, what was it, the Seminole tribe and yeah. learn about their culture. And he's like, that's fine. I don't mind learning, but why are you filming it? And exactly. they're like, well, we, everyone needs to see this. But he's like, well, that doesn't seem very genuine, which is true. It's 100% true. To quote him, he says, you don't fix racism by pretending to fix it. And mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. Definitely. Which is what a lot of TV networks or anyone that's kind of, in the limelight ends up being in the limelight for the wrong reasons they try and come out of it by doing this and you know it doesn't feel genuine at all because i mean how do we know that's actually going to fix it anyway it's just it's just a pr stunt it well i, I don't want to say it's always a pr stunt but it's most likely and that's how it comes and in this across. case it definitely is yeah he's very angry with stella he says like it's like a scavenger hunt for her and he says something like her eyes lit up when she decided he was republican so he didn't even say he is Republican, but yes. once she decided he was, he was like her well, eyes Because he defend well. Well, he kind of just called, he called the impeachment a sham. Exactly. That's all he said. He didn't say, Trump's great. Yes. <laughs> it, it was more implied rather than. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very, very angry. And he says, I'm not going to publicly genuflect at the altar of a progressive BS. I do like later on him coming to yeah, the yeah, defense yeah. of her. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Which is why I'm intrigued to see, is she going to have his back as well? Well, did she see that, I wonder? Because she was driving off in the car. Don't know. Yeah, I don't think... But people were filming it, so you never know, maybe. I mean, yeah, surely it's going to be like, why was this happening? They've got to believe him. Yeah. You would think they would believe him. 
Yeah. Well, we'll see. We don't know how nice Stella is yet. So. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to see layers, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be good to see a <laughs> Peel the onion. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex then tells Chip about Audra coming in. And, you know, as we know, Alex, she really wants this book. And she asked Chip to get it for her. Exactly. And he can't. I mean, why would she think he could? What's he going to do? Can't. Just go to Weatherspoons and say, I want to speak to the publisher. Do you have an early copy? <laughs> but how would Chip... Like... Wait, I said Weatherspoons. Waterstone. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's pretty bitchy to him for, yeah, I feel not for being Chip. able to do it. Me too, because he's come back. And obviously in his head, he does think at some point I'm going to have to talk to her about what happened. But she's not really... She almost behaves like she thinks by giving him his job back, it's fixed. Like what happened between them is fixed so she can go back to normal. And you're like, no. Yeah, like the bridge has already been built back up. No. That wasn't the problem, woman. Even he starts thinking, why? Why have I come back here? Exactly. But, you know, she's like, the book probably has stuff about you too, so you should want the book. But then she apologizes for being... I know, because that's such a way of, like, trying to manipulate someone. Mm-hmm. And that was her manipulating Chip. Well, at least, like, she realises when she's being that yes. kind of person. But then she has to leave. She can't stay there any longer. And Chip does tell her that his fiance was about to turn up. Yes. Isn't it? But she won't wait. She needs to go. Her back's hurting. She's yeah, well, stressed. they're going to have lunch together. I think she just wanted to meet her briefly. I think that's what it was. I don't okay. think it was going to be a thing. She, he was just like, wait a few minutes. She's coming. But, yeah. Yeah, we're literally seeing the pain get worse every minute we see Alex on screen. But meanwhile, in Italia, Mitch is filming Paola for her documentary. So I think this would then explain the fact that they have decided to quarantine together. I did find it funny because I can't remember if it's here or if it's later down the line where she says, well, you know, it's only going to be two weeks. And I laughed. I went, oh, I was like, you poor baby's thinking. Yeah. So Paola does ask him, though, why he said yes to her. Yes. Staying there. And he says he likes her company, but he also blurts out that they won't be sleeping together. I really appreciated Mitch in this episode. I know, but this is what annoys me. I'm like, no. Like, you know how you were saying last week? Obviously, it's Steve Carell, so we like him anyway. But you are like, I don't want to forgive you this quickly. I know. Credit to the writing. And him. And him. By the end of the season, we're going to love him and hate everybody else. (laughs) But, I mean, you know when you're watching a villain and you're really hating that person, you're Mm -hmm. like, like, anything other than a rapist or whatever, like, I can't see it. That's when you know someone's written a character really well and someone's acted it really well. Yeah. And I feel like with all the other characters, we're getting some stuff. Okay, we're not meant to like them. The way his character is actually developing, it's so well done. Yeah. I mean, he's still got a long way to go, but the fact that he's even accepted that he actually does have a problem, it's the first step, as they usually say, right? So, yeah. But um, he does say he's damaged. He says there's nothing wrong with her. Like, he thinks she's lovely, but he's damaged. He asks her, uh, why did she want to stay with him? And she says, the damage thing makes me feel at home. And after that comment... I thought, has she been abused? She Maybe she's always been attracted to horrible like men that have mistreated her in the past. Yeah, you know when, I'm sure there's a clinical term for it, but you know when some people are in a, let's say, domestic violent mm-hmm. relationship or whatever, that's all they know. So if they're being manipulated in a relationship for 10, 15 years or whatever, 
they're going to go back to someone who treats them badly because they that's all they know. And maybe she's been there. Yeah, it's a bit like being an emotional masochist as well, isn't yeah. it? It's like as much as it's horrible, it's almost like comfort. She's to finding them comfort. They know, yeah. yeah. Even though he's not like that, luckily to her. But, no. you know. But yeah, back in the studio, Chip's fiance does finally turn up. I forgot her name. Marianne? I can't remember. Uh, it is Madeline. Madeline, okay. Who is actually played by his wife. Oh, is it his actual wife? It is his actual wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> we did talk about her, her the actress before. Because you did the research on her, I think, last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So I was but scrolling through. I did not through. look up, like, her trivia, just her career stuff. Yeah, so I was, well, I was looking through it, and then I was like, wait, I know, her. no, she's from the league. And then, yeah, she's married to uh-huh. him. Okay. Oh, you guys. Oh, aren't they lovely? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, she wanted to meet Alex. She thought she actually thought she was going to get a meet and greet, but um, Chip kind of lies and says, oh, I forgot to tell her, and she had to leave. Maybe he did, and he just told her last minute. <laughs> Maybe. He's a man. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he does confide and say he can't believe Alex got him back there. But she says something like, we'll figure it out, right? So yeah. it almost sounds like they, It to me, it sounded like this wasn't a permanent plan. I know. Maybe he's got a plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It comes across to me that he's also someone that even if he wanted to stab her in the back, which is kind of like when he said to Bradley, oh, I've got words for her. I don't feel like he could actually go through with it. I don't know if it's like a stab in the back kind of plan. I think it's more just that he wasn't planning on sticking around. But I don't know what his obviously end game is. Yeah. But I don't that it sounded to me like they had a plan to not stay in Manhattan. Maybe. Corey's assistant in the next scene, right? Right? Corey is going to Oh, yeah. It's only like your favourite bay. It is! Yeah. <laughs> Every time they say Green Bay, I said that and I was like, that's what Harper's going to keep going on about. I got way <laughs> too excited. I was like, oh, I hope they show Lambo. Oh, I hope we get some... Sing- okay, we didn't get any American football scenes, but we did see the jersey and the scarves in the bar and I got excited. He wasn't going there to watch a game. He was going to watch a game. I was like, is he a Packers fan? Is this where he's from? <laughs> no, but the bar was, right? Yeah. I mean... Like I in Green Bay, it's only one team, so of course it's going to be Green Bay. The only Bay. (laughs) So yeah, Kyle, his assistant, has brought him like an itinerary and we realise Corey isn't going to Vegas. He thinks Stella can handle that. And Kyle gives him like the rumours that Bradley and Laura are dating and Corey cracks up. And he's like, no one likes a gossip. Yeah, and he's like, but it's not true. But no one likes a gossip, Kyle. His face (laughs) though, because I was like, one... He's laughing because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Two, he's laughing because he's in denial. I was like, wait, I'm confused. Well, I think at first he thinks it's ridiculous. And then once Kyle's left, because he kind of laughs to himself and Mm. then his face changes. So I think he's like, there is a bit of like, hold on. Is there something to this? You know, he's not going to show Kyle that he's feeling jealous or whatever he might be Yeah, because he's probably like hanging a bit. We it's had, like how we would react. We had a moment. She's got to be at least bi. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, did I turn her gay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably thinking, but she longingly touched my face and now she doesn't want me. Maybe he just didn't unzip his pants quick enough. Your friend zoned, mate. Your friend zoned. <laughs> <laughs> but Kyle is played by Theo Iyer. Um, he hasn't done much, but he has appeared in another Apple TV show for all mankind. So check it out. Oh, we see another flashback here as well. This is where we see the hand. This is the face stroking thing. Yes. 
drunkenly talking like they've probably had a few wines. Mm-hmm. And Bradley's in Corey's room. She says she can get him his job back. Yeah, she's like, I have leverage. Shut up. What was her leverage? Was it just that she's still in a job? Or does she know something we haven't seen yet? I think... I don't know. I think her thing was still just the, you know, what she thinks. That she thinks that they would never get rid of her because they need somebody. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know. But all I wrote here was, there's definitely feelings. <laughs> there's definitely something because there was like a line where um, she says something like, if he wasn't to get his job back, that might be better because it would mean they could see each other. That was, yeah. she didn't say it in yeah. so many words, but so she good. kind of, there was that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but was that really what she meant or was, you know, that's how Corey took it? We don't know. She could just be a tease. There are people like that. Yeah, I know. I was like, just take off your shirt and tell us. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> we just want to know, okay? I know. What are you waiting for? Just tell us. I was waiting like, okay, if they kiss it, then that means something happened. Nothing. They didn't kiss. So that even means they're that they, that didn't us. happen. Yeah. Or that just hasn't. Or they're just. Or she was teasing him too. Straight after that, we see her and Laura on the plane. Flirting with each other. Oh I my know. god! And but they're <laughs> doing it so blatantly open because Alex is on the plane. With I know, but I guess I don't know whether she knows still. They do, there's nothing to suggest that they actually do know that they're dating. No one knows. No, but they're openly flirting. So I'm like, people are going to be like. <laughs> but I just love. I mean, the, the, Jennifer Aniston just does pissed off so well. Did this not remind you of? her as Rachel being pregnant and just wanting the baby out of her I felt like her being in constant pain and really aggressive to Chip was like Ross oh yeah like you, you know can you you're breathing too loudly or whatever yes. it was <laughs> yeah it was a mixture of that it was a mixture of all her jealous moments yeah. when it came to Ross with Emily yeah. or with Julie what was her name Julie, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh so yeah. I mean, sorry. I'm sure she's being serious here, but I was laughing I a little bit. I was laughing. I was. I was like, just get out. She's like, why is she here? Just load it up and smoke it out. That's how I felt about her pain. <laughs> but yeah, she was like, oh, she makes me so anxious, uncomfortable, and she's like, oh, Laura's never been nice to me, and I don't know why. And yeah, she's like she's snapping at Chip to get her an Advil, and it did make me laugh that he muttered under his breath, "Get it yourself." Yes. <laughs> and then he couldn't say it to her face. Yes. <laughs> and then he, she was like, "What did you say?" It's coming. It honestly felt like Ross and Rachel. It was it was like when she was basically forcing him to have sex with her. It's like I'm getting the baby out of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to watch those episodes again. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me, which is why I, was, I found this whole scene funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, Lauren Bradley's having champagne and couldn't give a crap. <laughs> I'd rather be sitting with Alex. Me and too. Chip. And he said it's coming. What was he doing? Emailing someone? Because I didn't see him get up. I know. There's <laughs> <laughs> no Uber Eats on a plane. That's another question to ask. Did, did Alex even get her Advil? <laughs> Meanwhile, in Harvest Favourite Bay... Green Bay! (laughs) Corey heads into a bar in the day. It hasn't properly opened. And we know it's Hannah's dad's pub because there's pictures of her and her mum and stuff like that. Um, Her dad appears... He doesn't have a name. I looked up on IMDb. It just says Hannah's dad. (laughs) Mr. Schoenfeld. Yes. I wouldn't say it surprised me, but because we don't really know much about him, about him being 
apart from him being estranged. Him obviously having a photo of Hannah wasn't for show because it's not like he knew someone nah, was coming exactly. to visit. It was just so by I, the till, so. I I do think that everything between the scene was genuine from her father's point of view, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so too, definitely. So like for strange reasons, it might, I mean, who knows what it is, but I feel like maybe there might be some regret there as to why he's left. So he recognises Corey and Corey's like, I, I wanted to talk to you without all the lawyers around. And he believes the network should pay him. But Hannah's dad kind of says, he kind of acts like he wants them to feel pain or hurt yes. them. And yes. he's like, they're a company, you can't hurt them. And he's, you know, he's basically begging him to settle and take the money that they've offered. Because he's one man taking on a network. Exactly. He's like, you're not going to get anything if you don't take the money. And he's like, I'm only going to, you know, stop or whatever if I'm paid what Fred was paid. And Corey's like, if I if it was up to me or if it was his money, then he would. And Hannah's dad is kind of like, but the money is meaningless, doesn't he? Yes. Yes. He's he's not in it for the money. He's literally doing it to hurt him. And the fact that he's literally gone, you've paid Fred. You know, you've paid the man that is part of the guilty party. Meanwhile, I'm suffering here for my daughter's death. Corey's guilty. Oh, Corey's so guilty. He's he's full of, especially after what we saw at the beginning of this yeah, episode of sure. him being part of the deal. It's almost like you could say he's feeling haunted. Hashtag ghosts. But um, yeah, Corey then tells him about the stories that are going to come out. He says your daughter had problems before the UBA. Yeah, like drug addict, and she slept with people for information. And what's I thought like it was heartbreaking as well because you could see that Corey was really startled by the response yes but i thought it was really heartbreaking too because the dad didn't even come to her defense because he didn't know her enough and he just goes was was that true and we never get an answer yeah so because Corey i don't think knows either no so it's really sad though that the one person that's there fighting her corner now doesn't know his own daughter there's no one to stand up for and say none of that happened but he's the only one fighting for her yeah which and then, he still doesn't know. He doesn't it, know. Bloody hell, Hannah was alone. Yeah. Like in this world. And we all know big, let's say big cities. Obviously, New York's big. Manhattan's quite small. But it's a big city. Yeah. It's a, you know, huge atmosphere. People move to places like New York and LA to make a living and exactly. get places. And a lot of them get nowhere. And she obviously moved from Green Bay, which is tiny. Yeah. Assuming she was in Green Bay or whatever she was. But... You know, to New York to make a living and then she got put into, let's say, the wrong atmosphere, probably mixed with the wrong people, felt alone and then this is what came of her. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, it's a very common story. Because, I mean, Hannah didn't tell anybody about this until obviously all this stuff came about. Yeah. It's horrible. I mean, season one, I mean, you know, we hated her character in, in Loki. Yeah. <laughs> but in season one of this, um, Gugu was just, that's her name, right, Gugu? Yes. And she was just amazing. And it was, she, I got choked up then as well when she was talking about what happened to her. It was horrible. So. Very, very hard to watch yeah. and listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah's father was played by David Paymer. He's been in quite a lot of things. He's had a big history. Of, yeah. I only wrote a few. Maybe you might add on to it. But I did have Get Shorty, The American President, In Good Company, State of Maine, The Good Wife with... Um, uh, Juliana Margulies. Ju Margulies. Thank you. <laughs> um, Line of Fire, Nixon, 
Cagney and Lacey, Family Ties. There's two things here I've mentioned of Michael J. Fox, by the way. <laughs> and um, I really just wanted to say this because I've compared the show to <laughs> yeah, it. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> Days of Our Lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's done loads of stuff. Like, I mean, I also wrote Drag Me to Hell and Bad yeah. Teacher and I'm Dying Up Here. And The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I guess, is a newest thing. But yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. But Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Available on Amazon Prime. I'm only saying that because we've talked about Apple and Disney. I figured we'd promote something else too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they arrive in Vegas. Um, <laughs> this scene cracked me up too. <laughs> so Alex and Chip. This is like an episode of Friends to me. It is. The whole Al- Alex and Chip. <laughs> Alex oh. and Chip spot Maggie and they both pretend that they don't see her. Yes. <laughs> It made me think of Rachel and Chandler with the cheesecake. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely fought Chandler because I could see him doing this. Also, in no relation to like this um, scene in particular, I did yeah. read an interview with Mark and he did say like he absolutely loves Jennifer and any scene that they have. And he feels like some of the way season two was written was just because how much they love working together. Oh, okay. And how well, well, hopefully we have more to look forward to between them. He said their chemistry's like great. So I think that's how they've written it purposely. Because <laughs> seriously, them like trying to pretend that they didn't see her and Maggie clearly seeing it, smirking and getting in a cab. I was just cracking up. It was like a comedy. <laughs> it really was. And you need it. Yeah, you definitely, because this episode is quite a heavy one. So it was quite nice to have these little moments. In the last episode, you even said... Is there any conversation where it's not about race or someone being offended? This was a nice break. Yeah, for having them just talking about Advils and... It felt refreshing. (laughs) Other painkillers available. (laughs) Stella is headed out of the UBA. This is the bit you were talking about earlier. Yes. To get in a car. This was quite a, like, this happens. It happened after this bloody virus. And it's still happening. Yeah. Can I just say straight after me saying, it's nice and refreshing seeing everything that's not about racism. Yeah, they don't have to go back to race. Damn it. But I do feel this was needed. Yeah, Stella um, gets quite shaken up because the man basically tells her to take her virus and go back to China. And she tells him, like, educate yourself. But he's, like, keeps saying stuff like slanty-eyed and all this. Yeah, like, all the racial slurs come out. Yeah. So she gets in the car quickly and um, Yanko sees us from across the street. Da-da-da-da! And he runs over and he calls the man ignorant and he says Stella's Korean anyway. Um, and the businessman tells him, go back to your country, and yes. then shoves him. Yes. So Yanko's just beats him up. Obviously, this gets filmed. <laughs> the bus with his face on it yeah. behind him as well. <laughs> but you know what? I thought that was a heroic thing, though. Yeah, but... We'll see what they filmed. Did they film the whole exchange, or did they just see... Are they just going to say, Cuban man that's, beats up white nah, man? That's, <laughs> I don't know. that's already on Twitter, and I'm sure... Ty will have something to say about it in the next episode. Is Stella gonna? Well, Stella might try and fire him, but is is someone gonna come to his defense? Because he's, she's obviously gonna know when it's yeah, happened. She's gonna recognize that man as exactly. well. I mean, she's off to Vegas now, so she's probably not gonna be much aware of what's going on. Well, I mean, surely someone would inform her. You'd think. It's, yeah, you'd assume, but yeah, I feel. I know what you mean. I feel bad for Yanko because I don't know if this is gonna be a bad extra bad thing for him or bite him yeah yeah because it feels like he's spiraling yeah into something he just needs claire back <laughs> can nothing go wrong in my life 
Poor Yanko. <laughs> We're back in Italy. And Mitch asks about the professor that, you know, got COVID. That she interviewed. Um, they haven't heard from him, which made me briefly go, did he even get COVID or was she lying? Yeah, we don't know. But Paolo announces that she wants to interview Mitch. He says no. And she doesn't really push it. So that's the good thing. She's kind of like, okay. This is where she says we're going to be stuck here for two weeks. Yeah. Back in Vegas. Alex is going mental. Oh, my God. So she's obsessing over the book. Oh, my God. Paranoia is eating her alive. I mean, she explains at some point it's like this monster that's inside her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is actually taken over her. So they start speculating what's in it. And I think Chip is using this as an opportunity to be able to relate to her. But no, Alex, it's just about Alex, basically. It's the Alex show. (laughs) <laughs> and when she does say that who would have told her about vegas it didn't yeah. make me think is there someone that's leaking stuff well chip thinks that it might have been mia right apparently yeah. that was the night that mitch got chip to take her off the team which i kind of briefly remember happening. yeah um and alex had said something about not wanting because i think they were like going to put her onto alex's team and alex went i don't want his trash yeah which Alex says, I never I said, never said that. that. I'm like, you said that. Like, it's like how you wanted to find the sound of me saying the whole thing about Corey and Bradley. And I'm like, oh, go show you season one now, Alex. If you well, don't Meryl, think you said that. You do these things that you conveniently forget. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> don't you remember you spoke to me, but you said it was off the record? Oh, no, wait, that was in the show. <laughs> Jim says he spoke to Maggie, but it was off the record. Yeah, and, and Alex is outraged. I mean, obviously he spoke to Maggie, but he's like, he tries to make her feel better by saying, like, it was, well, first of all, he says that you were the one that got me fired before you get outraged with me. And she says that she didn't. And I wrote in my notes, denial is not just the river in Egypt. Yeah. Oh, my God. No wonder she's in back pain, all the lies and stuff that she's holding on to. This is a post that I made, like, on our socials, where I was like, it's funny, this was called Ghost, because I feel like almost, not all the characters, but the main characters in this episode are all getting haunted. And it is mainly by the lies and the guilt that they're carrying. There's their own sins, let's call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh my God, everything leads back to the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Chip does say, look, when I talked to her, I, I, you know, I did right by you kind of. He's like, you know, despite what happened between us, I did your PR, which just upsets her even further. Yeah. (laughs) But this is where we kind of saw, well, I mean, we've been seeing Alex's insecurities anyway, but we got a bit more of it when she goes, I actually don't have an ally in this world. Mm. And you think I'm a horrible person too. The thing is, I do actually think she does like him. No, I do too, but, but she's she doesn't just like this uncontrollable. Yeah, it's like this uncontrollable action where she's just mean to him the whole time, but she does actually like him. I feel like she's just, whatever's happened to her has put her in like this place where maybe she's always struggled to connect to people and that kind of gives you a defense mechanism to already be distrustful of people which makes you treat them differently right so negatively yeah and maybe she just doesn't know how to turn off and now she's convinced that everyone it doesn't like her and it's because of how she behaves but she doesn't see that again it's sad it is sad, but I did want to slap her a little bit by saying that she didn't get him fired. Like, just accept. You know that you did. <laughs> Bradley basically told you that yeah. you did this. Yeah. You know you did it. Just say it to his face. Why is that so just hard? Just say it. 
yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he said he spoke to Maggie to clear his own name, you know, and that, that he was he and wanted, he wanted to people actually... to know. Yeah, but then instead of being happy about this, now Alex is like, oh, so you wanted to look like the hero, but what does that make me look like? I'm like, oh my god, Alex, oh my god. If she's not the feminist icon, who is she? Who is she? Who is she? Where did you find her? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Corey, back in New York, uh, he says that the story is killed everywhere but the vault. We do really see that Corey cares about Hannah being dragged through the mud here. Um, like we said, he already felt guilty. But Earl tells him you need a more salacious story. To mm-hmm. get rid That's of the it. only way to yeah cover up that one. Planting the seed. <laughs> I was but, like, oh, chin scratch. What is the most salacious oh, story? The moment that that happened, I paused my my thing and I thought to myself, okay, is this going to play out exactly how I imagine? Oh, actually, it hasn't happened yet. I'll wait until we're there. It's the next scene. I think I paused it. The next the next scene. Well, I in capital letters. If we're going on to the next scene. I wrote pancakes. <laughs> well, because you notice the cake, and then I noticed the pancakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, I also thought Reese isn't going to eat all that. <laughs> I know. I know you're like meant to be acting. I would genuinely be eating. But you know what I wrote on the um, on my notes as well because it made me think of Joey when he was like, "You'll probably be hungry after the sex." <laughs> so I was like, "That's why that food's there." <laughs> oh yeah, that they were brunching or. Having breakfast for dinner, they were yeah. going at it with the yeah, food. We'd I mean. do that, but it wouldn't even be sex related. It would just be a regular night. This <laughs> is a regular Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, they kind of talk about Alex. Um, Bradley asks Laura, like, what happened between them, and Laura doesn't feel like so. We're not getting any sort of sex here. Maybe that's why this Alex is angry. Kind of answers your question in the previous episode. Yes, I mean, it at least answers it so from Laura's of. side. Yes, Laura's side. Yes. Um, but yeah, so apparently they used to kind of be friends or go around the same circles. Were they in school? It sounded like class, they were either in school or college or, college, or something. Yeah. yeah, and she said Alex used to be a lot sunnier. But she was always a careerist. And then um, she found out, because Laura was openly gay with her friends anyway, but Alex found out later. Yeah. Just to say, when she said she was sunnier, was it the work that changed her or did something happen in college to change her? We don't know because at the moment all we know is what Laura says. So we don't even know if what she thinks happened happened. So for Laura, she only knows that Alex found out she was gay. Yes. Seemed okay with it. But then a little after the, she she found out, so did YDA, which is when she got fired. And she says, I don't know for a fact that she did it, but she does know that she was one of the few people that weren't, didn't reach out to her when she was fired. And one day she saw her on the street and Alex basically ignored her and crossed the street. Which makes you think that Alex use it to get herself ahead in this position. I mean, it does sound like something she would do, but we only have her Her, guess that that happened. So it may not have even been that. Maybe Alex just told someone else who then told YDA. We don't know. Could someone have either influenced Alex or manipulated Alex to do that to get ahead and she didn't actually realise what she was doing would have that impact and now she's still facing guilt of that? We don't know. I mean, it's weird that she says she doesn't know why Laura doesn't like her. Because I don't think Alex is a homophobe no me neither but then i didn't get lesbian vibes from bradley so who knows <laughs> our gaydar is off <laughs> <I know. laughs> so Corey texts bradley 
and uh, Laura makes a little thing about the I fact think that she he thinks, likes you. Yeah, which Bradley, you know, kind of says no. Um, and he <laughs> asks, she say? I'm going to let you text your boyfriend. Yeah, but he asks her why she isn't answering her phone or something. Yeah. So Bradley's confused and calls him and says the phone didn't ring. And then she realizes, mm. uh, no, my room. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> At least be smart. Jeez. I know, but the even more stupid thing is that Laura starts to talk. And they're such like high school schoolgirls. I know. Stop You're like giggling about. So Corey hears Laura in the background and that really throws him off, man. Really throws him off. Poor Corey. I mean, I say that because I could imagine if it was me and I liked somebody a lot and then something like that happened. Oh my God. I wouldn't even be able to keep talking on the phone. You know what? I'm, I was kind of like thinking Corey's probably wishing he had a camera in that room. He's not Joey. I do really like Laura and Bradley to get, um, not they care. I mean, I really like Juliana and Reese together. I think they're working really well yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And I much preferred them in this episode. Well, it's nice before. to just see Bradley not shouting or scowling at people. So Maybe yeah. that's but why. Wait. Next episode, he'll probably be back. Oh, yeah. She'll probably slap Corey or something. <laughs> but Corey does tell Bradley about what happened in Green Bay. He asks her, he says something like, she's like the Jiminy Cricket to him. So like his conscience. So he knows that whatever decision she makes, that will be the right one. He trusts her moral compass, basically. And he's he kind of, he doesn't say what it is, but he says, if I can stop this story from going out by any means necessary, should I do it? And she says yes. But clearly she does not know that he's probably thinking that I'm going to let out the story of them oh, two yeah. together. It was, it was a well done scene. Hmm. Because you really see like the cogs working and yeah. I guess the conniving side of Corey again working for his own benefit. But it's not just his own benefit and it's not just to ease his guilt. It's also to help Hannah. Exactly. It's 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 kind of a mixture of things. Yeah, it's true. But it is 2020 at this point. I mean, obviously, it's news. But come on, people still have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, but not enough that it's like, it's not going to cause problems. It would just be something that people would be like, oh my God, that's happening? Well, it would only cause a problem for Bradley because, you know. She's not she, out. She's not out. She's not really accepted herself. Yeah, she's it would not only cause herself. her personal problems, but it wouldn't cause any career problems. No. I was reading some comments from other fans on the morning show Instagram and some people actually were saying that they're wondering whether, like, because that doesn't sound like a salacious story. So some people were wondering whether he would actually willingly throw himself under the bus to stop Fred from outing him. But I don't know. As in, say that he got a deal. Yeah. I yeah. don't think he would do that. I don't think he would either, but it did make me wonder, the fact that other people have had this thought, it made me wonder whether I was just looking at it the very obvious way. And what if they don't go the obvious Sometimes way? Sometimes I think that, but then every time we think, are they going to go the obvious way? It's been the obvious way. So why would this time be any different? When have they gone the obvious way? Well, when we were like, oh, well, they're not going to be. No, see, you can't think of one. <laughs> well, I thought the the Laura and Bradley thing was stupidly obvious. And we we're like, no, come on. They're not going to like straight go into that. And then they yeah, went Yeah, but then that. we thought there was going to be the whole agenda thing. And then that didn't happen. So we just don't know which way they're really going. I mean, it probably is what we think it is, but it, it's worth thinking that 
I mean, obviously the new episode's out already. I would press play and find out, but I'm not gonna. That's if it does explain it in the episode. Yeah, it was just something that made me go, oh, it's an interesting way to look at it because I didn't think about that. I also did, when, this is the point where I paused it and wondered whether Bradley would get that. I mean, Bradley would get that that was his doing, but I, I made me think that would Laura think it was Alex again? You know what I mean? Because Alex did see them. But then I'm like, they were so freely flirting on the plane. Exactly. It almost so felt how like would, they didn't even I thought even Laura care. did know, but I don't know how. Maybe you can't hear from there because <laughs> the jet noise. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so we're back in Italy and Mitch is uh, being interviewed by Paola. I kind of just paraphrased bits that he said. I just wanted to say it's probably one of my favourite scenes, actually. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was such a open, honest scene with him as well. It was powerful, the way it was shot. You know, it's that smart thing. You know, we said it in The Falcon and Winter Soldier when we see Bucky being interviewed and, you know, getting into his brain and the slow zoom in of the camera angles. It was exactly that, but looking at it through the viewfinder of the camera, which was so smartly done. Yeah, no, and Steve Carell's obviously great. We already said this a million times. You really, I mean, I really wanted to hug him in the scene. And I was like, no, and you, exactly, no. <laughs> exactly. You're he like, hasn't no. learned yet. I mean, he's learning, but he's still got no. a ways to go. But the fact that he's aware of it is, is amazing. It's massive. It took him a while, but yeah, he opens up about the fact that, you know, he was stupid enough to ask Hannah for help. Um, and he's like, I showed up at her doorstep and she told me how she felt. And he was like, it was so obvious the amount of pain that she was in in that moment, but I still couldn't see it. And I didn't understand why she felt that way. And he says, like, he said horrible things. And for him, he was like the biggest crime that he really did was that. Was that? How horrible he was. Like, he didn't apologize. Yeah. He didn't try and make her feel better. He just only thought about himself. What was even more powerful was when he said at the very end, I knew what I was doing and I did it anyway. Yeah. And I think that line kind of just says it all, where he's just gone, it's my fault, she's dead. He's grown so much more than Alex has. Yeah. Yeah, Alex has kind of had enough. She can't sleep. Her back is killing her. And obviously her mind is just on Maggie. And they've seen Maggie. And somehow Maggie's in the same hotel. So, And she knows which room she's in, so she must have called up reception. I don't know. Oh, Chip! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she goes and knocks on Maggie's door and invites herself in and she can't even walk at this point I know she's hobbling and uh, she's like you can't write a book about me and cause me pain and follow me across the country like oh my god Alex go over yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) to torment me and act like you care but Maggie's so calm here so she wins the whole argument yeah and you really see the power between these two and how Maggie is calm and collective and is controlling this they're quite dressed quite similarly as well actually even the hair was quite similar yeah When she sees the mock-up copy, because she's like, oh, I need the book, I need the book. You've got a copy. Yeah, she's like, I didn't fact-check this book, so whatever you know about me is rubbish. Basically says she could sue her. Yeah, and she goes hunting for the book, and yeah, like you said, she finds the mock cover. That mock cover and the title, I think that would absolutely devastate me as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was called The Wrong Side of the Bed, Uh, Corruption, Cover-Ups, and a Crisis of Culture in America's Number One Morning Show. I can't imagine ever being in that position, but already being as paranoid as you are like Alex. You realise, I mean, and so does Maggie, that this whole paranoia, that all this panic isn't just from the general stuff. It's about the relationship she had with Mitch. Yeah. 
And Maggie's like, she it is written in there that they slept together. And she's yeah. like, it's not true. You've got to fix that. That didn't happen. And we don't know who said this. So we don't know who's like said that about it. It wasn't Mitch, we know, because he just told her to F off <laughs> on the Is phone. Is it Mia? Well, who knows? Uh, who knows? Maybe it was Chip. We don't know. We exactly. really don't. I don't even know if the book's going to say who said anything. It'll probably just say a source. Probably not. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Maggie's like, I'm not changing anything because she doesn't think it's not real or true. Um, Alex is so stressed out about this and I was reading some of those comments again on the Instagram and it was weird because people were like oh I wonder what like happened between them and I'm like I think it's pretty clear that he did the same thing that he did to exactly Hannah. like the, this is the difference in it it's like no matter how much we can get angry or annoyed at Alex it's not the fact that she's not accepting that she slept with Mitch she can't seem to accept the fact that she was probably raped by Mitch. Exactly. It's it's two completely different things. I mean, she says, she says, don't associate me with him in that way. Because that isn't, they didn't have a sexual relationship that she's aware of. They only had loving friendship exactly. that she thought, you know. That he abused. So, of course that's going to stress her out because the world's going to think that she was screwing him. And either way, she's become this feminist icon that she necessarily didn't want. Mm -hmm. But whichever way that came out, whether she slept with him, she loses that. Mm -hmm. Whether she was raped, she loses that. She does not handle herself very well. No. And she's obviously dealing with a lot. And she is such a bitch. <laughs> but... I mean, but you can understand. Knowing, I mean, obviously, some we don't know. We, yeah, we don't understand. We don't know everything yet. Um, but yeah, just knowing that she's so afraid. I mean, you can see it in her face, and this is coming out in such a physical way that it's it's causing her pain. And she can't even, like you said, we don't know. Like she doesn't remember it properly. And even if she has started to remember it, can you imagine trying to accept that? Like, piece it together and ex yeah. I mean. It happens in the world, do you know what I mean? Like, there's loads of women dealing with PTSD and they know what happened. She still doesn't even know. It's horrible. I hope that when this comes out, it's either going to be Chip that figures it out or she's going to confide in Chip. Yeah. We get a lot of looks from him to her, like even when she's not paying attention or whatever it is. And it's never like a I don't like you way. It it's just in a I can't figure you out way. Yeah, it's like he knows that there's something going on, but he's trying to figure it out. And you know they were friends for a long time. So even though he is hurt by what happened, I mean, he's still a friend. So that's not gonna go away. Yeah. He is gonna have concern for her. But then this is basically the end. We actually see that she decides to fly back home, doesn't she? Well, we don't know if she's flying back home. Well, she's definitely not in Vegas. She's not in Vegas, but she's alone. I mean, Chip isn't even with her. Like, he's her producer. Wouldn't he be returning with her? Well, we see Eric and Bradley on the debate. So yes, Bradley she's seems replaced him. Yeah. She, in the end, she got what she wanted. I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, some people were speculating that she's actually going to see Mitch, but I don't know if that's the case. But... Oh, God, because if that happened, but Italy would have closed their borders. If they're quarantining, I don't think you would have been allowed to get into Italy. I don't Italy. know. It's still February. They didn't go into lockdown until early March, I think. Oh, what, Italy? Yeah, because I looked it up and I was like, oh, I thought it was earlier, but let me look it up. I thought it was earlier than us. 9th of March. 
That was when they imposed a national lockdown, restricting the movement of population. When did they close the borders? Well, they suspended flights to China 31st of January. Um, it just says, on 8th March, the Prime Minister expanded the quarantine of all of Lombardy and on the following day to all of Italy. So, yeah, maybe. 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 I don't know. But, yeah, it was just interesting, the fact that there wasn't anyone on it. Like, you would think, as Chip being a producer, why wasn't he on the... I just thought maybe she might have, like called the jet and did her own st- like you know what i mean just like escaped without uh, anyone yeah. knowing i thought that too but they did know that she was well yeah unless she just didn't say anything but i guess we'll find out yeah that's all we have time for this week on geekly recap halfway through what are everyone's thoughts is Corey going to be the villain and out bradley what will happen to yanko will stella defend yanko and what is going to happen to alex Get in contact with us on our socials at Geekly Recap Pod and let us know your thoughts. And don't forget to sign up to our weekly newsletter for unheard footage and bonus banter between us at geeklyrecap.weebly.com. Have a great week, guys. We'll be back soon for another edition of Geekly Recap. <laughs>